Howdy, everyone. How are we doing? Happy Tuesday. I'm coming to you on Monday night, but this is obviously Tuesday morning for you. It's Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Cents.com. It's the Internal Budget Podcast. It's episode 35, to be specific. 35 episodes in, halfway to 70. Is that relevant? Absolutely not, but it's the first thing that popped into my head, which is usually the first thing that I say. Oh man, I had a great weekend. I don't know about you guys. Aside from coronavirus cases soaring across the province of Ontario and much of Canada, hey guys, let's get it together. People, government, everybody, let's get this together, okay? We're not going backwards here. In any case, I had a great weekend. You know why I had a great weekend? Because all you hooligans, you rabble-rousers who were added to the list last week had to eat a big, warm slice of humble pie. Why did you have to eat a humble pie? Because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now 1-1 one one on the season. Great outing from Tom Brady. And you know what? The scary thing is, they're just going to get better. They haven't even come close to their peak yet. So we're two weeks into the season. The offense is humming. The defense is flying around, knocking people's heads off. It's going to be a good football season. It's going to be fun. So I'm sure the list is going to grow as the season rolls on. But for right now, y'all can shut up and let's talk some hockey. Huge massive, earth-shattering news in Ottawa Senators land this week. It's finally official. It's finally official. The rebrand is underway. On Friday, it was first reported by Brandon Plant, Sens Talk, friend of the show, that the Senators were going to unveil their new and improved 2D logo. And so they did and oh it's just a relief now at this point i mean it was the worst kept secret in hockey that it was happening but now whenever the team does a press release whenever they post on social media you have that nice clean crisp 2d logo with the gold trim on the cape and oh it just it just looks so much better they look like a professional hockey team again Um, Jerseys are going to be unveiled at the upcoming draft. Uh, I was able to confirm through Team PR that there will be no third jersey this season. I anticipate uh, that they'll probably roll it out at the beginning of the 2021-22 season just to kind of stagger their jersey sales. Who knows? Maybe they'll drop it on us as a surprise this season. Time will tell, but regardless, by all indications... As first reported by Haley Salvian of The Athletic, another friend of the show. Internal Budget has lots of friends. We're just a social butterfly on this podcast. Regardless, Haley reported back in July that the team was going back to a black home set and a white away set. Obviously, because obviously the white set's away. All the white sets are away. You stupid. You're embarrassing me, Brandon. But yes, for the first time since the 90s, the Ottawa Senators are going to be icing a team with a black 
home jersey. And by all indications, it looks clean. We've talked about it a lot on the show here, but like Graham Creech of TSN 1200 says, there's already too much red in the division. The Senators going back to black is just a good, smart move, and I think it is going to look great. Uh, As far as the logo itself goes, I was on the Locked On Senators podcast this past weekend with Ross Levitan and Brandon Piller. Make sure you check that one out. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate those guys having me on. But we talked logo, and one of the things that came up in our conversation was talk about how the reveal was kind of lackluster, for lack of a better term. I think there was a vocal contingent of people online who were upset about how the announcement was made. I think people got accustomed to the Senator's former social media team Craig Medaglia, Craig Medaglia and Alex Woods having these elaborate video rollouts like they did for Thomas Shabbat's extension last summer. But at this point, like, who cares? Like, are we are we this desperate for things to be mad about that we don't feel like there was enough pageantry put into the reveal? I mean, I get it. People, it's an exciting thing. People want even more reasons to be excited about it. I understand, but come on. Like, Senators fans, myself included, have been begging, begging for this for years. And now they finally get it and they're upset about the way it was announced. Like, come, take what you can get at this point. And, and not even that. I really do believe that there's merit to the theory that was presented by Everyday Sends on Twitter that the NHL wasn't happy with the repeated leaks before the actual logo was unveiled. If you were paying attention online, the logo was popping up everywhere, everywhere but from the Senators officially. People were finding it on underwear at Giant Tiger, on team-issued calendars, Obviously, coronavirus kind of screwed up the way they wanted to initially do the announcement. I know they wanted to do it at the draft uh, originally, the originally planned in-person draft back in the summer. So that their COVID kind of threw a wrench into their plans, and they had to just kind of rush something out there. I would expect the jersey reveal at the draft to probably have a little more something-something put into it, even if it's a Quentin Byfield or a Tim Stutzel or a Lucas Raymond or whoever just throwing the jersey on, I think it'll there'll be a little more excitement around it. If I had to guess, and this is just purely speculation, number three will probably put on the black, and number five will put on the white. Um, I don't think they'll pick at 28, but that's neither here nor there. And there you have it. And there's your jersey reveal. So not only is it introduced... But it's introduced at the draft, the biggest draft in franchise history, where two of the future fran- faces of the franchise. I'm having a hard time tonight. God, the two future faces of the franchise will put it on, and a new era of Ottawa Senators hockey will begin. Sorry, I'm watching the New Orleans Saints currently lose to the Vegas Raiders, and it's I'm just distracted. I'm just awestruck by the sublime beauty of the New Orleans Saints falling to an inferior team and Drew Brees looking washed. I love it. 
But this is a hockey podcast. We're going to stick to hockey. And we're going to move right along because I'm tired of talking about the logo. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, I love the logo. I think it looks great. I love the gold trim. I think it's a nice little modern touch-up to a classic vintage look. I think it'll contrast nicely with the red and the black on the uniform when it comes out. Uh, The announcement is the announcement. It was a press release. It was a well-written press release. And I don't know. Like, there's not a whole lot to complain about for me. Like, if people are legitimately mad that there wasn't more effort put into the reveal, that's their prerogative. I only have so much energy these days. I certainly don't have enough energy to be mad or upset about something like that. I think it's a bit of an overreaction. Um... But that's why I love Ottawa, because this fan base is super passionate. They love their team. They want them to be great in every sense of the word. And it's all out of love. So new logo looks great. New jerseys are going to look spectacular. I have no doubt in my mind. And I'm just looking forward to draft day. What can I say? Let's talk about the NHL awards, because those took place tonight. They were announced before Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final, which we will talk about as well a little later on in the show. But the winners of the main awards were announced, and we'll go through them all. I'll tell you how I would have voted. Uh, I agreed with most of them, actually, believe it or not. Uh, I thought the Pro Hockey Writers Association did a really good job this year. I didn't really find much of the picks objectionable, even. Like, I wasn't livid about any of them, but again... Only so much energy, not nearly enough energy to be mad about stuff like that. Let's talk about the Calder Memorial Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Uh, This was the big one in a lot of people's minds because it was so close. It really was a two-horse race between Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche and Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks. It was honestly probably a coin flip for the writers because it certainly was for me when you watch these guys they're so similar in terms of talent in terms of way they impact the game even their playing style is very similar I had Kale McCarr I've had Kale McCarr winning this for a long time not by much and like certainly no knock on Quinn Hughes I just thought uh McCarr was a little more impactful on his team than Hughes was on his. But like I said, it's a coin flip. I'm not knocking Hughes at all. Watching him in the playoffs was just an absolute delight. But for McCarr, he played less games. Like his point totals are ridiculous when you look at it. I know point I know playing less games isn't supposed to be an advantage, but he had 50 points in 57 games. For a 21-year-old defenseman, that's just an absurd number. And then I know, again, it's a regular season award, but the proof is in the pudding when you watch the guy in the playoffs. He's a point-per-game player uh, through two rounds with the Avs. So Kill McCarr, I think they definitely got that one right. He certainly would have been my pick to win the Calder Trophy as the Rookie of the Year. No shame to Quinn Hughes. I'm going to look forward to watching those guys the rest of their careers because that's going to be a fun storyline for the next 15, 20 years. Leon Dreisaitl was the winner of the Ted Lindsay Trophy, which was the most, uh, formerly the Lester B. Pearson Award, uh, that's given out to the most outstanding player in the NHL's regular season. 
And, I mean, it's hard to argue with Leon Dreisaitl winning this award. 110 points in the 71 games. Like, God, that's just ridiculous. Even on a team that boasts Connor McDavid, that's a pretty absurd number. Uh, and I think when you're talking about the Oilers, they get a lot of attention for awards like this because they have Connor McDavid. So, you know, maybe eyes that wouldn't normally be on Dreisaitl or on him because of McDavid. And the fact that McDavid did miss uh, about seven games this year uh, and Dreisaitl was really key for them during that time. He powered them through it. And again, it's really hard to argue with this pick. A guy who just lit up the entire league. He's a point-per-game player in his career, 422 and 422, 43 goals, 67 assists this year. Again, you know, people talk about his defensive impact and how it's somewhat lackluster compared to his performance on the offensive side, and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about the most outstanding player, the guy who pops off the page, so to speak, more than anybody else, I'm going to give it to the guy that had 110 points in 71 games. So Leon Dreisaitl is definitely a good pick for the Ted Lindsay uh, award as far as I'm concerned. Vesna Trophy, this one was close, I thought. Uh, but it did end up going to Connor Hellebuck, who again would have been my pick. Um, and again, we're talking about an award that had so many deserving candidates across the year uh, the other two finalists were Tuka Rask and Ben Bishop but when you're talking about a Connor Hellebuck that's a guy who played 58 games this year for his team and that's not even in a full 82 game season and to have a record of 31 21 and 5 in 58 games with the save percentage of 9.22, that's my Vesna winner, for sure. A guy who's putting up damn close to his career best numbers in a 58-game campaign in a truncated season, no less. That's nuts. Uh, I don't think... I think, honestly, if the award means what it's supposed to mean, you can make a good argument that Connor Hellebuck should have won the Hart Trophy. Because if the Hart Trophy is supposed to be the most valuable player across the board in the league, do you think that the Winnipeg Jets would have even been in the return to play if they didn't have Connor Hellebuck? Maybe, but I don't know. Like, that's a guy to me who is Winnipeg's most valuable player at the very least. So I have zero qualms about him winning the Vesna Trophy. I think that one was a given. The last one is the Hart Trophy. And this I was, I think, where the most furious debate was kind of happening online after. Leon Dreisaitl took home the Hart Trophy as the most valuable player in the league. I disagreed with this one, uh, but I was in a vast minority as it was some, somewhat of a two-horse race between uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Nathan McKinnon. And even then, it didn't seem particularly close. I'd have to look at the ballots again, but Dreisaitl was kind of the runaway winner. The way I see it is this. 
and this is going to be a bit of a hot take. I don't know if Leon Dreisaitl is the most valuable player on his team. Sure, you, the, you can make the argument that he didn't slow down even when McDavid was gone. You can make the argument that he has his an impact entirely of his own. Um, and that he's a McDavid-level player, or at least in that ballpark, on his own. But when you have Connor McDavid on your team, how can you make the argument that that guy is the most valuable player in the league? For me, my MVP, my Hart Trophy winner was Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers. I don't think the Rangers as good... Look, they got some really good performances across the board from guys like Mika Zibanejad. They got some good goaltending from Shosturkin and Georgiev. Uh, Tony D'Angelo had a really good season. I don't think they're even making it into that play-in round. Oh, my God. (laughs) The Raiders beat the Saints. (laughs) Oh... Sorry, I need a moment. Wow. Sometimes you just... Sometimes words fail me. Getting back on track. The Rangers had really good performances across the board from a ton of their guys, but I don't see them even qualifying for the round robin and the play-in round, or whatever you want to call it, without Artemi Panarin. Like, 95 points in 69 games. That's a pretty nice number. Uh, And I think you can attribute a lot of the step that Mika Zibanejad took forward this season to playing with a guy like Artemi Panarin. Throughout his career, Zibanejad has never, ever had a line mate like that. Zibanejad hit a career high in points this year, was 75 in 57 games. His previous career high was set last year when he hit 74 points in 82 games in a full season. So he put up more points in 57 games this year than he did in a full 82-game campaign last year. Again, not knocking Mika Zibanejad. He is a hell of a player. And... He's talented enough to put up numbers like that. But I think him being pushed into that elite number one center conversation has a lot to do with Artemi Panarin. And keep in mind, this award is not supposed to go to the guy with the most points. That's what the Art Ross is for. Or even the Ted Lindsay Award. This award is supposed to... Go to the guy who is the most valuable player in the National Hockey League to his club. There is no more there is no player more valuable to his team than the winner of the Hart Trophy is. And I don't know how you make the argument that it's anyone but Artemi Panarin. Nathan McKinnon in Colorado, sure, I, I can get behind that, definitely. But that's still a team that has Gabe Landis-Cog. It still has Miko Rantanen. It still has Kale McCarr. And granted, they were decimated by injuries this year. So if there was any year that McKinnon could be considered that valuable of a player, it would be this year. 
I just look at the body of work from Panarin. If you look at that New York Ranger team, they're not an elite contending group yet, not even close. But he willed them into that conversation. Did they fall flat against Carolina? Yeah, of course they did. But you look at the regular season performance. You look at the 95 and 69. You look at Mika Zibanejad's improvement. The way that Panarin elevated everybody on that New York Rangers squad, I don't see how it could have been anyone else but him. Leon Dreisaitl is a hell of a player. He showed that this year if you didn't already believe it. But I would not pick Leon Dreisaitl over Connor McDavid. And that, to me, disqualifies Dreisaitl from winning this award. Like, that's, that's just how I see it. He's a phenomenal player. If he's on any other team and he's putting up these numbers, I'm probably giving it to him. But he's on the Edmonton Oilers. He plays with Connor McDavid. And I have a hard time separating that. Because, again, it's supposed to be the most valuable player in the league. If this guy is not the most valuable player on his team, and I don't think he is, then how could I peg him as the guy... The most valuable guy in the league. I can't do it. Personally. Maybe you can. I know Edmonton Oilers fans can. Like, they were not happy with people suggesting that it shouldn't have been Dreisaitl that won this award. But the way I see it, it shouldn't matter the regular season performance of the team, even though it always does for some reason. The same way the cons mice shouldn't matter to, you know, the, the, the same way the Consumite shouldn't always go to the Stanley Cup winner. But for whatever reason it does, I think that played a huge part in Panera not winning it. I think if the Rangers are a top team, or even in the same position as Edmonton is, then that's Panarin's award. But here we are. And I know there's going to be a lot of criticism levied at the Pro Hockey Writers Association because it was given to the guy with the most points, which is a common criticism. Generally speaking, the guy that generates the most points is the most valuable to his team. Like I think that's a fair assumption in most cases. But Artemi Panarin, I think, was the most valuable player in the league. That's what it comes down to. Quickly before we finish up here, let's talk some Stanley Cup final action tonight or last night for you listening on this fine Tuesday, September 22nd. That hasn't happened for me yet. The Tampa Bay Lightning staved off a furious Dallas Stars comeback to take game two by a score of three to two and tie the series at one game apiece. The Lightning roared out to a 3-0 lead in the first period. But Dallas controlled much of the game after that. They ended up coming all the way back to make it 3-2. Almost had it tied up in the dying minutes. But the series is tied with home ice advantage, air quotes, swinging back to the Dallas Stars. 
And I know people are going to be mad at me because I haven't picked Dallas all playoffs and I'm picking them in the final now. But I I've, I said it on Locked On Sense podcast. I think Dallas is going to take this one in seven. Uh, I think Kudobin's going to steal the series. And the Lightning, to tell you the truth, they did what Vegas failed to do against Dallas. Vegas generated high-quality offense, but they didn't get traffic to the net. They didn't make life hard on Hudobin. And that, to me, is ultimately why they didn't win. They got good scoring chances, but when a goalie is making big saves, you need to get the rebounds. You need to get bodies in front of his eyes. You need to make life hard for him because the more he sees the puck and the more he feels the puck, the harder it is going to be to score on him. So that's what the Lightning did early in this game. They moved the puck around. They got traffic to the net. They made life miserable for Hudobin. He still made some huge saves, especially down the stretch. But the Lightning did what they had to do. If you put up three goals on the Dallas Stars, or even four, you have a good chance of winning. I don't think the Dallas Stars are going going to outpace Tampa offensively most games. But the more you let Hudobin make easier saves, I won't say easy saves, the more Dallas is going to hang around. I mean, that's not what Tampa wants. I don't think Tampa's even going to be satisfied with this result, to tell you the truth. Sure, the series is tied. They're three wins away from the Stanley Cup now. But you're in a situation where you blasted out to a 3-0 lead early, and you couldn't score after that. And you let a Dallas team back into the game, which not many teams in these playoffs have survived doing. It did not go well for Calgary. It did not go well for the Colorado Avalanche. And it certainly did not go well for the Vegas Golden Knights. So the key for Tampa is going to be pushing the pace. It's going to be doing what they did in that first period, getting some high-quality offense, making it difficult for Hudobin to make saves. But after that, it's about finding that killer instinct. They've got to put the Dallas Stars away. Because if you give them even the faintest sliver of hope, if they see even just a speck of light at the end of that tunnel, they're going to come back, and they're going to burn you. This team has no quit. And even going back to last year, that was one of the biggest questions about Tampa, was did they have that intestinal fortitude, as often says? Do they have that killer instinct? Do they have that resilience, that grit? All buzzwords, all mean absolutely nothing. But the point I'm trying to get across is last year, when the going got tough for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Tampa Bay Lightning got going. They got going golfing. The going is going to get tough in this final against Dallas. Dallas is not going to make it easy on anyone. Sorry about the sirens. It's downtown Toronto. Dallas is going to make life hell for the Lightning at a lot of points in this series. They're going to frustrate Tampa. They're going to bait them into stupid mistakes. And they're going to take advantage of every miscue that the Lightning make. 
So if you're Tampa, you can't just score three in the first. If you score three in the first, you got to score two more. At least two more the rest of the way. You're the Tampa Bay Lightning. Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman. This team is known for its offense. Even its secondary scoring in these playoffs has been pretty good. So if the Lightning are going to win this series, they need to put Dallas away early. They need to put Dallas away early in games and win the series in four, well, not four, obviously, but five or six games. Because the longer you let them hang around, if you let Dallas push this thing to a game seven, Dallas will not lose. So for the Lightning, it's finding that killer instinct. We'll see if they have it. They didn't have it tonight. They certainly didn't have it in game one. So they've got to find that extra gear. Are they capable of it? Yeah, I'm sure they are. If they get Steven Stamkos back, that's going to be a huge boost, even just emotionally. But if the Lightning want to finally exercise all these demons and win their first Stanley Cup since 2004, then they've got to put this one away early. They cannot let Dallas stay in the fight for a second longer than they need to. Let's get to some questions. Tim wants to know, is Yaroslav Askarov worth it at number five overall? That's a great question because that one's been going around a lot just based on his current performance in Europe. I think for other teams... I think you would be a little more inclined to make that pick. But if you're the Ottawa Senators, you have a really good amount of options when it comes to securing your future in net. You have excellent prospects in guys like Joey Decord, Philip Gustafson, Kevin Mandelis, Matt Sogard. Marcus Hogberg had a fantastic first extended look in the NHL. And even if all those guys fail, you have a bevy of picks and cap room in one of the best goalie markets in years. So you can take on a Matt Murray. You can take on a Merzlikens or a Corpusalo from Columbus. You can take on a Darcy Kemper. And you have options to at least try to find a secure starting option in that. One that you don't have to wait for to develop like a Scarab. On the other hand, if none of the guys you have in the system works out and you miss on drafting a Vasilevsky or a guy who's even better than that, that's going to hurt down the line depending on who you pick and how they do. I think for Ottawa, their most pressing need is up front right now. Ottawa needs guys that can score. Ottawa needs guys that can put up a ton of points. You're going to find that in a Quinton Byfield or a Tim Stutzel at number three. And you're going to find that in probably a Lucas Raymond at number five. So I personally would stay away from Askarov, tempting as it may be. And I would continue to secure that skill at forward. Scott says, I keep hearing Sanderson linked to the Sens at five. Initially very unhappy until I heard that some NHL teams liked him. Consider him to be Niedermeyer-esque, diamond in the rough, and worthy of a top five pick. Thoughts? 
again, I'm going to go back to what I said before, and the Senators need skill up front more than they need to draft a solid defenseman right now. You have good options coming through the system. Bernard Docker, Lassie Thompson. On the left side, you've got Shabbat. You've got Brandstrom, Willannon. Uh, you can get a top four through the trade market or a free agent signing, um, depending on how Artem Zub does and how Nikita Zaitsev does this year um, or how much faith you have in those guys. But uh, I would stay away from Sanderson at five. Anywhere from five to ten, I'd probably take him. But with a top five pick, I, I don't think so. So anywhere from six to ten, I mean, obviously. And the last question, Gatineau Greg. Follow this guy on Twitter, Gatineau Greg. He's just an absolute beauty, phenomenal person, amazing graphic artist. He did the art for the show, uh, and just a really solid human being who's hilarious. He's got, put some great Sens content out every year, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it when the new season starts, whenever that is. On the logo, will Adidas respect the Laurel Vector tweaks, or will they take matters into their own hands? Norris, why did Yossi deserve the Norris this year solely based on the fact that he was the best defenseman? Damn, I didn't talk about the Norris Trophy. Roman Yossi won the Norris Trophy, and that was the best pick of the day for me. So thank you, Greg, for reminding me, because as if I missed that. Ah, amateur. Roman Yossi was the best defenseman in the league in both ends of the ice for my money this year. Um, So, yeah. I th- I'm I'm really really happy with that pick. Ah, shoot. Uh, do I even sleep? No. <laughs> uh, and Scott had another thing about the vectors. Aren't the vectors worth being? Are the vectors worth being concerned about? Kind of just want to enjoy something sense related for once. Yeah, this this blog called Aesthetics put an article out, kind of slamming the graphic design of the new Sens logo, uh, how bad the vectors were, and all this stuff. Listen, the logo is nice. The fans like it. Don't overthink it. If you like it, why are you looking for reasons to not like it? And really, even with all the stuff they pointed out, I didn't notice the difference. Maybe I'm an idiot, but the whole thing came across unnecessarily negative to me. And just another opportunity to bash the Ottawa Senators, which everyone likes to do. Um, And that's my thing. Criticize when it's due. I do, for sure. I've I've gotten in trouble for doing it. But... For me, it's a new logo. It's the logo we've been asking for for years. Just enjoy it, for God's sake. Take a breath. Think about how good those black jerseys are going to look. And just chill. Just enjoy the new logo. And who knows, maybe you can get a mask with that new logo on it. Because folks, with numbers going up like this... You gotta be wearing your mask when you go out. You gotta maintain your social distancing. Please don't take unnecessary risks. Bars, nightclubs, just not good places to be right now. Please be smart. Let's keep everyone safe because the the lower we keep these cases, um, the better of a time we're gonna have and the easier it is it's going to be to come out this whole mess when we finally can uh so thank you as always for listening make sure you like the podcast share it with your friends download subscribe and rate five stars or a thumbs up or whatever it seriously does mean the world to me that you folks listen at all so a rating just goes a super long way from the bottom of my heart thank you and thank you for listening once again 
make sure you stay home when you can stay healthy and please stay safe catch episode 36 coming at you next week episode colin white coming at you next week in the meantime take care